Hello everybody, welcome to this Talking Tendons episode. My name is Prof Peter Maliaris from Monash University. Uh, I am a physiotherapist and a researcher interested in tendinopathy. So uh, today we're going to talk about a really interesting series of studies, actually three studies. And the lead author of all of them is, and I really hope I pronounced this correctly, Goran Radovanovic. And um, Goran and his team, I believe, are out of Berlin. And uh, some of the listeners might be familiar with Sebastian Bohm, who's also in the team, who um, published the systematic review on uh, tendon adaptation a few years ago, which has been really, really popular. Um, so it's that team, and it's also um, it's also Aaron Patsis in the same team. So it's a really good team, and they have done uh, a number of studies. So I'm going to talk about them uh, all. Probably the key one is the randomized trial. So the randomized trial was published last year, end of last year, in Sports Medicine Open, and the title is Evidence-Based High-Loading Tendon Exercise for 12 Weeks Leads to Increased Tendon Stiffness and Cross-Sectional Area in the Achilles Tendinopathy um, uh, Controlled Clinical Trial. Uh, and they actually had three groups. They had a group that did their intervention. So their intervention, and they're pretty well known for this intervention now, uh, these guys, because they've done it in lots of uh, healthy Achilles tendon adaptation studies, um, and it's a really interesting intervention. Um, what they do is they do five sets of four repetitions, and each contraction, so each repetition lasts for three seconds, and it's at 90% of the isometric plantar flexor maximal voluntary contraction. So it's an isometric plantar flexion at 90% of maximal voluntary output. Um, and then they follow that with a three-second rest, and they repeat that five times. Uh, so that's um, effectively what they do, and they do and they do that four times per week. Um, so they do three sets of the five isometric contractions. So three sets of five, and each of the each of the five sets has four repetitions that goes for three seconds. So it's a very low volume but high intensity intervention. Um, and the underlying rationale is a strong one from a mechanical point of view. They're arguing that tendon responds to high load and therefore it's um, uh, probably uh, going to adapt more with high load. Now, what we don't know is whether uh, tendon, uh, whether that's going to have any effect on pain whatsoever. Uh, and th there's actually been a bit of discussion about this on Twitter um, this week, and I think um, Greg Lehman was quite rightly questioning whether um, we need to load heavy for a tendinopathy. And I think um, in terms of pain outcomes, we know, and we've known this for a long time, that absolutely we don't. Uh, we don't need to load heavy to achieve uh, potentially pain you know, outcomes uh, that are similar to other loading interventions. And those loading interventions are probably not well defined at this point, but possibly you can just do physical activity like walking, like we do in back pain, and it's going to have a similar 
effect on pain. We know that a whole range of loading interventions for the Achilles will lead to similar outcomes in terms of self-reported outcomes. Uh, so, so we know for sure that it doesn't need to be high load. But the question is, will high load adapt the tendon and will that be of any benefit at all? And when I say benefit, um, probably not from a pain point of view. There, there, might, there may be benefits from a point of view of recurrence or there may be benefits from a point of view of tendon function. Um, we just don't know at this point. So this is, I think, where this group was driving at to go and test, um, you know, is something that is... Uh, high load, able to adapt tendon, going to lead to better clinical, or going to lead to better outcomes for the tendon, first of all. Um, they also answer the question of will it lead to more clinical outcomes, but I think we sort of already knew the answer to that even before this trial. I'm just, that's a bit of a spoiler alert because I'm just giving away the answer there of what they've actually found. Uh, but, um, you know, we don't expect that it's going to improve pain outcome, but it might improve other outcomes. And uh, this is, I think, the most interesting part of this trial. So in effect, they had three groups. They had a, they had a passive... Um, they had a passive therapy group. They had an Alfredson group. And we know, you know, one of the things with the Alfredson program in the Achilles is that it's really common and it's, you know, been done for so long now, but it doesn't have the potential to adapt tendon, we think, because it's not at the threshold of loading intensity that is required. Now, um, that, you know, as we, as we say, may not be necessary to adapt a tendon from a clinical outcome point of view, but from a uh, point of view of tendon health it might be um, so what they've done is compared passive therapy alfredson and high load i think it was slightly underpowered to be honest especially for clinical outcomes because they've only got about 15 to 14 people per group um, you know I, th I, th I don't think that's enough given the variability that we see um, with things like visa outcome now admittedly their variability was actually quite low um, and I think that might be related to the sample. They didn't, I think they restricted the age um, of the sample, which probably does reduce um, the external validity, but also variability in some of these outcomes. But anyway, um, definitely have a read of the paper for the details. Um, what I wanted to convey in this um, talking tendons episode is just that it's i think it's a really good question and that is can we get tendon adaptation of pathological painful tendon if we do something that we would expect to adapt a tendon for healthy and it hasn't really been addressed in um uh in the achilles tendon and i think partly the reason for that is it's really hard to actually measure tendon stiffness and you need really high skill and the right type of lab set up at the moment to do it. Um, so I'm going to talk to you about the results uh, in a second, which is probably the most interesting part. But before I do that, I do want to mention something that I think is really novel about this. The same author, and I imagine Goran has been completing his PhD, um, the same author, Goran, if you're listening to this and you want to do a talking tendons um, uh, interview episode just let me know please email me because this is really interesting series of studies uh, but the same author has looked at reliability um, of a novel home-based training setup for application of high loading stimulus um, and that paper was published in journal of sports sciences in 2021 um, i'm going to link all these three publications uh, into the 
talking tendons show notes. Um, but you can see that in figure uh, two, they've got um, they've got their strain gauge set up, and they use a strain gauge um, and a foot plate to actually um, be able to set people up with doing isometric exercise at home at the intensity that is required, which I think is really, really, really great idea. Um, it's in a seated position um, that they do it with the knee extended. Um, so it's, yeah, it's really, I think it's quite a novel uh, way of getting people to exercise with a certain amount of intensity at home. Um, so that's, that's um, interesting to look at, even just aside from... Uh, this trial, I'd recommend have a look at that paper and see what they've done there. Um, so getting back to the actual trial findings, um, as I say, there was about 14 to 15 people per group. And what they found um, was really quite interesting. They found that, surprise, surprise, and as predicted, <laughs> there, there was no differences in visa outcome between the groups. They pretty much improved uh, over the 12-week intervention. Um, even with the passive treatment, um, pretty sure, uh, and that could be partly because it was underpowered. But anyway, let's just ignore that um, and accept, shall we, that there was no uh, pain differences, no differences in the in the primary clinical self-reported outcome uh, between the groups. Um, uh, but there were differences in some of the other outcomes. So if you look at uh, um, within group uh, tendon stiffness, there was an increase only for the high load group. And there was also um, a decrease, as you would expect, because it's related to tendon stiffness in strain. So there were uh, differences in tendon health, I guess you could say, uh, for only the high load group. And there was also MVC um, improvement in only the high load group and that that I think is an important finding because we struggle to show improvements in strength with the Alfreds and if you look at one of my students Fatma Hassani did a um, systematic review which covered which touched on this and that was the question do people show strength improvements or um, can we detect strength improvements after people have done you know standard clinical programs exercise programs for <clears throat> a number of weeks for Achilles tendinopathy and the answer was it really is inconsistent a lot of studies uh, don't show strength improvements and that could of course be because of adherence or because of other factors um, so yeah it was interesting to see that with this high load intervention there was uh, an improvement in what you could say is the function of the tissues there's more strength more MVC output and also um, the tendon is adapting so I think probably the key takeaway for me is that as we know and as predicted there's no change in pain but we can see potentially some changes in um, uh, in other outcomes and the importance of those is yet to be determined but I think seeing a glimmer of hope that we can uh, get some change in tendon I think is positive in itself and a real uh, I think a real um, important message from these 
papers because we just haven't been sure about that in until now. Um, so the last one that I just want to briefly touch on is also from the same authors. And this was now a secondary analysis. What they did is they looked for asymmetries in this one. And I'm going to just tell you what the title is, and then we'll just cut to the chase with just a brief summary of it. But it's uh, in Achilles synopathy, the symptomatic tendon differs from the asymptomatic. Um, and this does not really change, I'm paraphrasing, with exercise. So what they looked at is asymmetry indexes, and they found that um, contrary, to, contrary to their hypothesis, you don't really get change in symmetry of things like tendon stiffness, tendon strain, MVC. It just doesn't really improve, and partly, again, that could be due to small numbers um, and the power issues they had, but... Um, it also, they also make the point that um, a lot of these asymmetries are probably not pathological and we don't really have a cutoff point for what asymmetry is pathological and what isn't. So maybe we're better off um, looking at people, uh, tracking them over time, understanding their asymmetries, which might be related to activities and you know positions of sport and other things they do um, rather than pathological and then when if they are injured, seeking to then recover them back to um, whatever uh, you know state they were in before, rather than assuming that they need to be symmetrical. Um, so it just brings up again that issue of how problematic it is looking at um, you know the opposite side as a comparator. Um, so I think I think that sort of covers the three papers. That's pretty much all I wanted to talk about. Um, so hopefully you'll find them as interesting as what I have. Um, definitely worth having a look at. I guess the the key take home for me is, um, uh, you know, something is happening in the tendon. There is life in the tendon. We can, at least according to this one study, we can adapt pathological tendon, which I don't think in the Achilles has we really had a, any certainty of before. Not not that we're certain now with one small study, but it at least gives us something to build on with. Um, uh, with further work and, and further um, evidence. Uh, lovely. So, look, I'll leave it there. Thank you very much for listening, and um, I'll see you next time.